Hey y'all, and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories. My name is Amanda, and I'm back with a good one for you tonight. Aladdin's Castle Friday night at the Galleria was Times Square on New Year's Eve juxtaposed on Middle Alabama. Wrap in a circle of suburban vampires and poverty-level ghouls who too worshipped at the Temple of Bauhaus, and Nixon was truly at home. His black-clad pack of horror fiends prowled the dead ends and empty spaces of the mall like vengeful haunts tied there by the unspeakable acts that killed them. Waves of dead-eyed wives in mom jeans steered their crotch goblins away from the assembled coven upon rounding a corner into their trench-coated midsts. A quick line from Return of the Living Dead or The Lost Boys always sent the little conformists scurrying back to the bright-lit safety of Montgomery Ward. Brains. Live brains, Nixon blurted at a rotund, feather-haired blonde and her brace-faced tween as they dared emerge from B. Dalton booksellers. The pair actually flinched at this pantomime zombie lurch, and his jet-dyed friends howled. Go back to Sinatra, Mama. Janice spat at the family in passing. Her sarcastic head jerk pulled her asymmetrical bangs from the glittering green eye usually obscured behind them. Nixon's face tightened at the sight of her. She was every leathery fantasy born of late nights soaking in the videos of MTV's 120 Minutes. Pale, gaunt perfection in combat boots. And she left him the note. The one asking him to stay after the mall closed. To spend some time alone. Or at least he thought the note was from her. It was magic marker scrawls folded into a paper football and stuffed into the inner left pocket of his coat, the one so sacred to house his very first skinny puppy cassette. Aladdin's Castle, after hours, the note read. Nixon reflexively patted the bulge in the fabric, confirming the note and tape still hid together there, and checked his watch face beneath the white outlined anarchy symbol. 8.37 p.m. Time to disappear until security kicked all the sheep out into the night, locked up, and went home to cry into their checkbooks. He pulled the corners of his trench coat into his most daunting Bella Lugosi Dracula spread and drawled, And the hour draws nigh my coven for me to make my escape. He eyed Janice, eager for smiling acknowledgement. She bit into her gum and flipped him off with a smirk. Yes. Yes. No more words needed speaking. Nixon low-fived tall Corey and split the crew like the Red Sea en route to his premeditated hideaway. The arcade was just four stores down, on one of the short corridors onto the second floor parking deck. He floated in with ten minutes to spare and slid a quarter into the hyperdyne sidearms. A few moments of side-scrolling ultraviolence later, and Todd, the attendant on duty, clapped his shoulder in an unspoken wrap-it-up and made his nightly jaunt to the Great American Cookie Company next door to flirt with the little redhead with the pixie cut. Clockwork. Nixon released the joystick mid-barrage to violate the sacred space of the employee's-only doorway in the office and stockroom of Aladdin's castle. Adjacent to the emergency exit was an empty cubert cabinet forgotten there to the annals of video game evolution. He dropped to a squat and slid serpentine between the wall and wood into the voided dark and waited. The clink of the dropped and locked gate signaled Todd's return and heralded the stark silence of some fifty games going black at once. 
eager slurps of snogging replaced the klaxons and whistles and trespassed uncomfortably close. Todd was more persuasive than Nixon would have guessed. The office makeout session was brief as the two came to a quick decision to move the festivities to her mom's grand prix. The door closed behind them and pulled Nixon from the rising dark as though coalesced from the very shadows. The upper right button on his watch shone a light onto its hands, 9.22 p.m. The guards usually left early, but not before 9.30. He dropped into the ragged office chair, put his feet up, arms behind his head, and he waited. Nixon woke with a start and almost threw himself from the chair. The chirps and strobes of the arcade machines blurred from the dream they'd just interrupted, and for scant seconds, he didn't know the where or the when of his existence. But his watch anchored him to 11.02 p.m. at Aladdin's castle. Damn it! Janice was gone. He'd passed out, punked out, and missed her. He wobbled to his feet, kicked the rolling chair into the wall in self-disgust. The throbbing pulse in his forehead pushed his eyes from the cascading kaleidoscope of the game room, but something moved in the periphery. He squinted into the beeping spectrum interrupted by a petite feminine silhouette. Janice? He whispered beneath the gurgling electronic cacophony. Nixon shielded his tender vision with a forearm and lumbered into the nearest row of fluttering cabinets. She was gone but her hum alongside the Donkey Kong theme betrayed her retreat to the opposite corner of the space. He stole a moment to collect himself into the goth god he became every Friday and Saturday night and slow-mo turned the corner to face his admirer, but found only the disintegrating skull of Dirk the Daring on the Dragon's Lair screen. His veneer of cool survived the mist before the spectral peacock's tail of lights that framed him there like the victorious Kurgan from Highlander. There can be only one, he muttered to his surging courage and turned on a heel past one of the two facing double dragon games. A few cabinets down, she lingered there, just an absence in the prismatic convulsions of the arcade propped chin down against the console. No, beside, maybe within the console? Nixon ignored that trick of the light, smiled his most sinister smile with a cock of the head. I got your note. He half-gloated, instantly embarrassed at the banal wretchedness of his one bad shot at an impression, and the stupidity of the words set in when she slipped between the machines and out of view. Desperation propelled him to the split past Polybius and before Super Pac-Man, but it was only a couple of inches wide. Too small for anyone to... The Polybius screen pulled his attention to a familiar face that stared back at him there. Derezzed and pixelated, but plainly recognizable. It was Janice, angled bangs and all. That swelling, ascending whistle of B-movie laser beams rang in triplicate as her lips mouthed silent words that instead typed themselves across the glass. Thank goodness you're here, Nix. The sentence faded. Polybius Janice blinked once. I've been waiting for you to save me, Nix. The face froze and fractured into a swirling vortex of pixels fleshed itself into a black screen of death. Then, words. Player one, ready. Nixon reflexively grabbed the joystick, rested his left index finger on the action button. The game set itself up in a reverse regurgitation of the dissolution of Janice's face moments earlier, and the same mute lips pushed words across the screen. 
Save me, Nix. Save me from Polybius. And the face dropped into a minuscule, low-resolution version of itself in the center of the display, surrounded then by concentric layers of colored bricks revolving opposite each other. He depressed the action button, and a white pixel mass dropped in from the top of the screen, struck a brick, and disintegrated it. His joystick was slaved to a set of four equidistant paddles on the outskirts of the constricting brick walls. He deftly shifted the nearest one to bounce the ball back into the brick, blasting it away like the first. This was just arachnoid in reverse, and he knew arachnoid. Less than a minute in, and he had shattered a corridor through the bricks to Janice. When it rotated to grant her little icon horizontal access, all motion stopped, and her digitized head smiled and tumbled end over end through the flashing opening off screen. A quick fade to black preceded the spinning head flying into view from the right edge as though continuing its motion from its escape. It careened off the left periphery and then back into view from the right onto a crude digital planet that materialized there. The two collided, but only the planet remained. Words blinked into view. And the hour draws nigh for me to make my escape. Save me, Nix. Bring me back to you. He did it. Janice was with him, and she knew he saved her and that he did it right. No teachers to report him, no parents to criticize him, no brother to outdo him. This win was his, and nobody was taking it from him. Player one, ready. Polybius flashed before him. And Nyx took the controls of an obsidian-shelled starfighter, thorn-sharp wingtips and tail grown from a fuselage like the metal body of the blackest bat. He slipped into the atmosphere on the trail of Janice's beacon blinded by poison vapors, illuminated for once by purpose. A tap on the right control primed the machine's teleportation beam as he neared her, saw Janice standing expectantly on the cratered rock of Polybius, the burning capital behind her, smirking in all her shimmering leathered finery. Engage he murmured to the ship's computer, and the flash of the teleporting searchlight dropped ship to ground like a static vortex and found her, embraced her, brought her on board to him. Wordlessly, she dropped into the pilot's seat adjacent and took the reins. Mirrored eyebrows and lips curled as eyes cut each unto the other in knowing swagger, and twin yokes pushed forward into thrust to carry them up and away from this lost and lonely planet. In the morning, the arcade manager, Todd, poured Visine into his sleep-dried sockets before hoisting the Aladdin's castle gate to prep before opening. The unexpected whir and scream of the machines greeted him, and he scanned the space before entering in case an intruder lurked. But it was empty of people. Only one thing was out of place. There on the floor was a creased and crumpled flyer that read, Aladdin's castle, after hours. One of about a thousand he had stuffed into avoidant hands and unwitting pockets the previous month when the Galleria granted permission for late hours as they debuted their newest game, Polybius. You've been listening to Ain't No Such Thing, Aladdin's Castle, written by Kevin Laporte, narrated and produced by Amanda Rachels. If you enjoyed that and you'd like to hear more of Ain't No Such Thing, why don't you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts? We can also be found on Patreon and Facebook. Our Facebook group is at facebook.com slash groups slash ain't no such thing. We would love to see you there and have a chat.
from us to you. We hope everybody's doing well and keeping safe. And we're going to be back with another story for you real soon. <laughs>